Today is March 22nd, 2020. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley Chiniki and Bearspaw Nations, Sutina Nation, we acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Hoki, Mekoches Chestakom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman, given to me in ceremony. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot. And... Um, yeah, I want to make sure I do a really good acknowledgement of their lands because I think anyone who doesn't is mean and awful and I don't know what to say anymore, but I'm going to start a live video. All right, we're going to start that live video. Okay, meko chase chase aki. Uh, my name is Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, a very another a very English name, which has afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I am a native to uh, Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klinchotine um, Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many horse town named after the Calgary Stampede, but in Blackfoot is called Mokinstis. Land acknowledgements are critical to creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage all questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at one 242 3310. It is toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you actually text hopeforwellness.ca, you will find that you can actually text if you're a texter. Um, for non-Indigenous, there are distress centers in your area. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. But if you can't, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I'd like to give a shout out to my super loyal donors, Adam, Beatrice, Alexandra, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kana, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. So last episode was actually talking about the um, policies that have been imposed on Indigenous people that would actually make us uh, more susceptible to this coronavirus or COVID-19, depending on what your terminology is. And um, so I hope you tuned in. I'd love to hear what you uh, thought of, what you have to say. I went through some of my stats, and um, as of today, we have about 9,000 downloads. 
Um, in the last 30 days, we got 2,000, um, 1,200 are in Canada, 95 are in the U.S., and my number three is Ukraine. So, hey, Ukraine, hope things are going good. But overall, uh, 54 countries. Uh, Canadian breakdown, we have 88 in B.C., 313 in Alberta, 308 in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, 67, Ontario, 247. And yeah, I just can't thank any of you enough. I can't believe you listen at all, let alone that I can say these kinds of stats. Um, California, Georgia, New York, Wisconsin, and Nevada are my top five from the States. We got one in Hawaii. And in Australia, I got five listeners, or, well, I guess I got more than five, but three in Victoria, two in West Australia, and one in the other uh, provinces. So thank you. Frozen 2, still my favorite downloaded podcast, which I find hysterically funny. Uh, (laughs) So thank you, listeners, for that. I appreciate it. So today, I think I'm going to focus more on my settler roots. Um, So... I talk a lot about Indigenous issues and such, and um, last episode talked a lot about the issues that pertain to Indigenous, why we're at uh, more susceptible risk when it comes to the genocide that's been imposed on us. So um, a lot's happened in a week. Um, They basically shut down Canada. They shut down uh, the world in a lot of ways. Unfortunately for Italy, we've had 800 deaths, 400 deaths. That's where we're at right now. A lot of places not doing very well at all. And uh, our big, you know, learning lesson that we've been trying to teach everyone is flatten the curve. And they keep saying social distancing when they probably should just say physical distance. Um, You know, stay away uh, from each other at least six feet. So, and just stay home. That's the biggest message is just stay home. So, non-essential or uh, non-essential stuff is supposed to stay home but essential stuff is supposed to uh, go out there and keep the economy going whether you're in oil and gas whether you're in um, whichever (laughs) there's a million things that that they do but oil and gas I find really interesting that it's considered an essential service so Um, but a huge shout out my god to the nurses doctors uh, public officials that are actually doing something about this. Um, here in Calgary, we've declared a state of emergency. Alberta declared, st- uh, I don't think Alberta did declare, did declare a state of emergency. Uh, but we do have lots of recommendations in place. Um, we are seeing that even with the recommendations in place, a lot of folks are not listening to those recommendations. Um, we had an article that came out about Elbow Falls, the amount of hikers that were there. There was hundreds of vehicles. So uh, no one took a picture of the actual amount of people that were there because um, they never got out of their car, which was probably a really smart idea. But I guess the whole highway was lined from Elbow Falls to Calgary. So um, I guess that gives you an idea what people are doing. Um, a big thing that happened out here in Calgary was a huge crash in the in the economy. So... Uh, this is not funny, but it's just hard for me to really be able to um, express the right emotions for all of this. But um, oil was was trading for $5 a barrel at uh, one point in time. And so I lived through the 80s and, um, and, and it was hard times. That was when my parents were in the middle of their biggest fighting. That was when they split. And, um, and my dad, 
shared with me some really dark things about his mentality at that time. And um, as a result, I don't even want to publicly share it. I don't want to share it um, even with some of my friends. But I know from what happened to me in my childhood and what what my dad shared with me now is a really dark time for a lot of, um, you know, men who see themselves where like we live in a society that they're supposed to be the one and only sole provider. And when they lose everything, they go really dark. And um, we're already seeing numbers of domestic violence go up. But my bigger concern is the amount of deaths and the amount of like childhood trauma that's going to be coming out of, out of this as a result. Um, because at home is not safe for most people. Um, or I shouldn't say that. Let, let me refrain that. Being at home is not safe for everybody. And um, for a lot of children, it's not safe for them. And when you have, you know, a pandemic, you have the stress of your family not understanding where their money's coming from. Um, landlords are absolutely... <laughs> some. Uh, I, I say this because on Twitter, people are sharing some of the landlord stories that they've had. Um, landlords discriminating against health officials because... Uh, you know, you might as well just get your stuff out and go to uh, Airbnb was one of them I seen. And I I would love to sit here and share great, you know, stories of landlords doing amazing things. But um, I have far more to outweigh that would be negative. And people will literally commit suicide over these things. So it's uh, it's really hard because I'm seeing a lot of my friends have extreme anxiety and it's coming out so hard. Um, I hope, I hope people start to understand the gravity of their mental health. This right now, you're looking at a tree, but there's a huge forest to look through. There's a bigger picture with a pandemic. And that, that bigger picture is that, you know, people can't be able to attend funerals. You can't have proper funerals because of a pandemic. And that's going to be the reality. Uh, a lot of people may not understand, but the reason why we have to flatten the curve is because we only have so many ventilators. And if you just do the numbers of take the world, the amount of billions of people, and start doing the math of even 5% needing a ventilator, we don't have enough ventilators. It's just that simple. Um, so a huge shout out to our our policymakers for listening to those who actually have, um, you know, science degrees, medical degrees, and are paying attention and doing proper policy based off of that. Um, I'm not one for us losing our civil liberties, because as in Indigenous in Canada, we have over and over, we're constantly com policed. I can't even post something without, um, you know, people of privilege saying, oh, no, pearl clutching. Oh, my God, I can't believe she would say something like eat the rich. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to laugh at you because clearly you may follow me. You may, maybe you even listen to one of my podcasts, but I doubt it. Um, because if you did, you would understand the oppression of Indigenous people in Canada. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I literally have an Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government. We are policed by the police all the time, by child services, by teachers, by everyone, uh, public servants. I, I really have a mistrust of the health system after having my baby because of uh, what they did to me there. And uh, we only had one. We wanted to have more, but 
I don't have faith in the system. And I was really traumatized by how they treated me. The good news of that, of course, was we worked with Manmute Bular, rest in peace, and um, got midwifery funded in Alberta. That was the upside. So anyway, um, I have mistrust of the health issue of, of the health industry in general. I think a lot of people um, understand why, if you understand racism and, and bias and sex, sexism and the bias against women, you start adding all those things up and you'll understand why, but that I guess would be like 80 episodes of me working up to this moment. So anyway, I thought today I would do something a little different and focus a little more on the settler roots of um, where I grew up. So I've talked about um, being, you know, anyway, how about I start by reading a tweet that I put out. Now, I ran for city council and I, you know, know that the amount of land we constantly develop is that much less to give to other people, um, especially the original owners. I always acknowledge we're on Blackfoot territory. Every time we develop a suburb, well, that's that much less for the Blackfoot community. Anyway, one of my favorite urban planners or um, influential leaders that I like, her name is uh, Jay Pitter, and she's black and she's out from East. I want to say she's in Toronto. Anyway, you know, she, she just made the statement like, I can't even believe. Actually, how would I just read it? That will make... That's probably the better thing to do, is just read her words. So this is on Twitter, March 21st. You know, sharing evidence-based information is so important at this time. If you come across evidence-based, accessible resources, please share it here. And I said, it is shocking to me how many folks that are not doctors believe their advice is somehow best. And she said, deeply shocking. So I said... I used it as a thread opportunity, and I said, Jay and I absolutely love having a stay-in-your-lane combo, usually within the urban planning context and with a racial lens. But I have a fun story to tell you, which is going to be the basis of this podcast today. I was born in Calgary. My parents split. We moved to Fort Mac. Then in grade three, we moved to Sylvan Lake, where it was like a population of two to 3,000 people and mainly summer cabins, so everyone knew each other. My now hubby grew up there, so that's how we met. There was lots of overlap between his grade and mine. We literally met in a grade four and five split class. Guess who was in his grade? The current Alberta chief medical officer. That's right, Dr. Dina Hinshaw. During this pandemic, Albertans have fallen in love with her calm demeanor and leadership. On February, or on Facebook, there is uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw Club, and they have like pictures of the Big Bang uh, group and all of that. Um, there is even a, a t-shirt campaign with proceeds that go to the food bank. Darn right, I ordered mine yesterday. You can order it here. And it's like her silhouette in blue. And uh, it just says together and kind of has that little Alberta um, logo on it. So, And that's done by Brendan Brown and the printmachine.ca. So there's your plug. Just kidding. But no, for real, it's a really great idea for all that money to go to the food bank. And I think as of today, because this was on the 21st, but as of today, uh, they've already raised something like $9,000. So anyway, she wore a periodic table outfit at one press conference and the company actually got a ton of orders. They had to bring it out um, again. And then there were artists making art that said things like, uh, what would Dr. Dina Hinshaw do? And uh, lots of thank yous to her. So I was sharing this on Twitter. The Daw family in central Alberta are, of course, closely linked to Dr. Hinshaw's family, 
So historian and former counselor Michael Daw has given out fun, fun, bleh, fun facts about her family on his Facebook wall. I knew him politically, but growing up, Sylvan Lake didn't have a rec center, so we all had to go to Red Deer to swim at the GH Daw because it was the closest one off the highway into town. Anyway, um, so... Michael Daw posted this on Facebook. It's actually a picture of um, of a woman, black and white. And it says, um, Ada Bergstrom of Centerville, Sylvan Lake, great-grandmother to D- Dr. Dina Henshaw, chief medical officer of Alberta. Photo was taken by um, Ada Bergstrom's brother, Bert uh, Fors, an excellent but largely overlooked pioneer Alberta photographer. Uh, Mrs. Bergstrom was a warm and pleasant person. She and her great grand her her granddaughter, Dr. Judy Berg, Bergstrom Hinshaw, donated the glass negative collection of Bert Fors to uh, Red Deer Archives. Some of the very best early Alberta photos one can v- view there, and he has it sourced as the Red Deer Archives photo G twenty four fifty six. So. Which one, that might not be more interesting than this one that he posted. He said, I've been very impressed with the work of Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Alberta Medical Officer of Health. She has been a real standout in these challenging times. However, I know her mom, Dr. Judy Bergstrom Hinshaw, and I knew her dad, Dave. So I'm not surprised how bright and capable she is. Dave worked as a printer in Red Deer and was tragically killed in a car accident while driving home to on the Sylvan Lake Highway in 1994, which was the year I graduated high school. Uh, Judy was left as a single mom with four children. She decided to go back to school and ultimately earned a doctorate in history. She is now a professor at the University of Calgary. Judy worked incredibly hard raising her children and earning her doctorate. Judy also volunteered in the um, exhibits and art section of the Red Deer Museum and with Diana Anderson. And hi, Tammy. Um, I don't know if you can hear me right now, but I'm actually talking about Michael Daw and Dina Henshaw. And I'm about to show um, Darcy's grad book and ta- and do do some conversation about that. So if you want to hang in, I'd love that. But if you can't, I understand. Um, Judy is also volunteering in the exhibits of the art section of the Red Deer Museum and with Diana Anderson. Judy is easily one of the most impressive people I know, and her children are obviously following in that outstanding legacy. Uh, I am pleased to note that Hinshaw Drive in Sylvan Lake is named after Hinshaw's honor. If you see any of them, please let them know how much they have done for our community, Sylvan Lake and Red Deer, and our province proud. Ovs. Anyway, so I know uh, some Twitter folks out of province may not know all of this because if I share something on Facebook, it doesn't mean the people out in Twitter world know. And out in Twitter world, there are people who have like changed their name to, you know, I love Dean Henshaw and such. So I like tagged one of them so that they could see some of the things that were being said. So anyway, that's why I did that. Moral of the story, I looked to Dina Henshaw for medical advice. Um, as a stay in your lane convo, and as an Indigenous woman, I follow Angela Sterrett from the CBC and APTN News for accurate news from our Indigenous community. I did a whole podcast on why Indigenous are more at risk from a political policy perspective or historical point of view, not medical. Listen to the medical uh, pros on this one. And uh, 
yeah, somebody said, oh, this whole thread made me smile because I'm a daughter of a printer too. And uh, yeah, that kind of stuff is a total nerd thing, but I totally love it. So on Facebook, we have, and I was saying, we have this whole page now devoted to um, Dina Henshaw. And there's actually an, yet another t-shirt uh, making um, place that's doing donations, but it's like twice the cost as the other one. So I don't know how that's going to work. But anyway, uh, Madam Premier, she's the one who has the other um, t-shirt making uh, thing. So that makes me happy. But lots of people are feeling really confident and comfortable to talk on Dr. Dina Hinshaw's uh, fan book page. So that makes me happy. Um, and lots of great articles. There was an article that came out of, um, you know, that post media sun media today. And, you know, it was basically the reporter saying, um, I can't even get, um, uh, interview with her because she obviously is devoting all of her time and energy right now to the crisis. And apparently there's a waiting list in order to to hear from her. So that makes me happy. So I thought that I would share with people the 1993 H.J. Cody um, graduation photos and such. Although they're going to be really hard to see on here. But I think, Tammy, because you're from Sylvan Lake and you're, um, you probably have this one anyway. Because I think you were... If 93, I would have been in 92, you would have been in 91. So anyway, I wanted to bring everybody back. Back to the time of 1993. So here we go. We had toques, bell bottoms. We were head to toe in grunge. And they have like pictures of uh, Kate Moss wearing like kind of like a toque and a scarf and all of those things. And they had like... <laughs> <laughs> big thing that was in was uh, Cheers Last Call and Saturday Night Live. That's kind of what we all watched. Uh, the Blue Toronto Blue Jays win the World Series. Ottawa Senators was a new NHL team. Oilers may be off to Hamilton. And the Habs win the Stanley Cup. That's what was going on in 1993. So I was having a look through this um, real quick. And... Obviously, I forgot that Dina actually was, uh, that she played basketball. I'm pretty sure she was the uh, captain here, they said. Seniors girls basketball. Manager, nope. Missing Amy Swainson. Well, Dina's in this picture. And I'm pretty sure I read further that she was the, she was definitely the president of the senior high student council. We have a nice little picture of her there, too. Oh, Mandy's in that one. She's going to like seeing that. She's following me regularly, which is nice. Um, Europe. So in the summer of uh, 92, a bunch of Sylvan Lakers went to Europe. And they have a, a picture of her. Um, not just her, but the whole crew that went. And one of the folks that went, he actually has passed away and was a close personal friend of my husband. So it's kind of a blast from the past to kind of go through this again and see everybody. And crash test dummies was big, apparently. We were worried when we found out the, the crash test dummies were our fellow passengers, uh, passengers on the flight over. And there's pictures of them at the Eiffel Tower and such. So looks like they had a great time. So then we have the class of 93. And guess who is a valid Victorian? Dina! 
And they have her her speech here, and it's wonderful, as I'm sure you all can imagine. And her last, uh, I just wanted to read to you um, the last couple of uh, sentences. We're sitting here with our own visions of the future and are, are the only ones who can make those visions come true. We will need help, of course. So we will thank our parents, our teachers for their patience and aid in the past and ask for their willingness to stand behind us in the days to come. I believe that for every goal, with God's help, all things are possible. Dina Henshaw. For she was doctor to us. And there's some great pictures in here. This is my husband's graduation. So, um, you know, there's some pics of him in there as well with my friends. And <laughs> my best friend went with one of her best friends. So that was, it's just kind of fun to look through these photos and remember, um, you know, everybody from that class. Even the one who passed away, he's he's right there too. So, And she does have a little write-up in here. I did find it. I did look at it. Hinshaw. So that would be next page. So I don't know who called her Hacksaw Hinshaw, but somebody did. Two of Dina's biggest desires in this world on top are marks and men. That's not true. They were just being silly. She's always getting top marks, and it seems like every time Dina leaves Sylvan Lake for a period of time, she comes back with a new man. Ribbit, ribbit. It's a stupid inside joke. It's not true. Dina's interests extend beyond school and men. She has several other hobbies. She has over 30 pen pals, is a member of her church choir, president of the senior high school council and grad committee, is a member of the senior girls basketball team. What is your secret, Dina? In all that you do, Dina, the best of luck from all of us. Well, there you go. And then we put a bunch of initials, so it's kind of cute. So I thought it would be fun to kind of... Oh, our best friend is uh, who lives in Edmonton is in here. So, yeah, we just talked to him, hearing how that's going. His wife is in healthcare, so... And there's a cute little write-up from my husband. <laughs> yeah, it's super cute. I'll read it. Hi, Michelle. It was fun until I had to go back, but you already know all about that. I look like there is a big mole on my chin, but oh well. I'm really lucky to have a girl like you, hon. I hope I can... <laughs> I know... <laughs> It's so cute, though. It's so cute. Okay, let's just read the last bit. I hope we have just as a happy future together. I love you, Darcy R. How cute is that? <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah, there's some cute pictures in here. I don't know if they're going to really turn out, even if I took a snapshot and I posted them. Oh, Tammy Cronin's laughing at us. <laughs> Rightfully so, Tammy. Rightfully so. But yeah, there's some cute stories in there. And I have like, I don't know, I found another one from 91, 92. I think this would be like your brother's grad or maybe. But she would have been really young in here too. 7A, was that me? Grade 8A. Oh, Tammy, I bet you're in here. You bet you had really great hair in, in here too. So anyway, I thought I'd do a fun um, tribute to Dina because I get to, because we're from there as you are to Tammy and my husband. And it was just, it's just kind of fun to see uh, somebody from our hometown doing so well, not just doing so well. Uh, let me, let me back that up. Being the leader that everyone in Alberta is watching right now, because um, someone like me, I don't see our premier as worth a hill of beans. Um, he made some new stupid political committee that's going to have Stephen Harper in it. 
So uh, I'm really disappointed. I think that's just going to tank our economy even more because, um, you know, these are people who aren't really invested in our, in Alberta. They're only invested in their um, oil buddies. So anyway, having Dr. Dina Hinshaw, that's fun for me to say. I'm used to calling her Dina Hinshaw, but that's doctor. Um, it's just really cool for all us, all Albertans to, to see her and uh, see her be the voice of really everybody that wants to follow the up-to-date information on the coronavirus, um, COVID-19. And um, yeah, this is one of those conversations about staying in your lane. I mean, I'm, I'm not a doctor and I might mistrust the health system in a lot of ways because I know it has uh, racial and gender bias against me. But um, there's a, like, this is a global pandemic. This is bigger than just, just, uh, my experience. This is that, you know, forced through the trees that if we don't flatten this curve, we're going to be having, um, not enough ventilators for everybody and mass graves and arguably we might anyway, um, no matter what. So this whole stay at home thing has really been hard on a lot of people, but, uh, it's really critical. It's really important. Um, you know, Tammy, I almost, I wish I could figure out how to get you on the show because I'd love for you to be here talking with me because I can see you, can see you're listening, can see your wave, but I wish I could have that conversation with you. I got to learn how to do these uh, stitchers and such. So, um, but I wanted to start doing the Facebook live as well as doing the podcast because different mediums work for different people. And, um, if I can learn how to do this uh, Twitch or whatever it is so that you can be live and interacting and people can call you, that's what I'd like to get to so that uh, we can we can talk about what's happening on an ongoing basis. Um, a lot of people have autoimmune disorders. I know for me, I actually literally have um, high blood pressure, so I'm on special medication for that. So, you know, people are at risk. Certain people are at more risk than others, uh, you know pregnant women obviously and uh are elderly they're saying that the kids are are just totally breezing through it but that said if assuming they're healthy i mean not all kids are healthy they have um and i don't really love like that term some kids just have uh it sounds really ableist autoimmune some kids have autoimmune disorders and um and other issues that they're they're fighting. And I already kind of talked about how I'm very concerned about child abuse coming up, uh, domestic abuse, childhood trauma resulting right now as of this moment. Um, so, yeah, those are things that I'm concerned about, things I'm worried about. And um, there was a really great live Indigenous kind of campfire, they called it, and that was done by uh, I don't know more, as well as uh, I want to say Indigenous Indigenous Climate Action. Um, they brought in all of the doctors who have gone through the Western uh, ways, but also have Indigenous ways of knowing. And um, you know, it, it was interesting. I posted some. I, I took a screenshot of Angela Scarrett's uh, post saying that she had talked to. Um, you know, a doctor about, about holding off on sweats right now. And it it was really great to have uh, Dr. James McCocus kind of talk about how there's a bigger, bigger picture here of seeing 
people together who, you know, we don't want to infect people in a sweat lodge. So if we can do the six feet or, you know, just encourage family only sweats, those types of um, ways to do ceremony and maybe not pass the pipe as um, right now. Uh, I thought they were really great health recommendations, but there were a lot of people who, you know, arguably probably are surfacing a lot of their anxieties and their traumas and they took down the post and I totally understand why. Um, and I came across a really nice meme that basically said, you know, when you're seeing people hoarding, when you're seeing people anxious, these are people who are actually afraid and, uh, that's what's happening right now. So, but if there is an upside to this, oh my God, it's been the memers. Thank you to everybody who is memeing because they are so fabulous. And I, <laughs> I'm enjoying them immensely. Uh, one of my favorite ones was, um, you know, they had a picture of the Titanic going down and then they had a picture of all of the um, orchestra on the Titanic playing. And they said, uh, you know, the world is ending, but we have our memers. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if the world is ending, but sure, it like the memes have been fabulous, whether they've been making fun of our, um, you know, standing in line with toilet paper. Some kid somewhere decided to take the toilet paper and make it look like it, it was like a face and it had like an, like it was smoking and the kid was like, oh my God, mom, dad, the toilet is leaking water and it's smoking. And then you'd come run, running up to see this ridiculous face. And it says something like, you know, day four of homeschooling. This is how it's going. Hysterical stuff like that is going out there. And then cute memes of people dancing and doing TikToks together. Um, actually, the Indigenous community um, did a call out to raise pipes at the same time. They also did a call out for all the jin jingle dress dancers to, you know, just dance in front of the, their homes to heal the world. And uh, so that's going a, a viral. So I'm, I'm hoping people will see, you know, these these fun initiatives that are happening, uh, virtual virtual uh, powwows, just fun stuff like that to try to, you know, stay together as a community and uh, continue on together. You know, that bigger picture of not being lonely. We don't want that. Nobody should be lonely um, because, like, I, I kind of really want people to see that bigger picture the hope through the trees like there has never been a pandemic in the history of the world where we had internet never i'm literally somebody's watching i'm i'm thinking it's still it's still tammy but um somebody's watching me right now as i do this my family's upstairs we're together warm happy like we're we're quite lucky to have you know netflix uh that wasn't something that i had when i was younger Netflix, um, internet, books, like I'm surrounded by books that I've been wanting to read. Um, so many things to do at home. I can't even, like, I couldn't even make a list of all the books I could read, all of the movies I could watch. Um, but these are, these are my problems. I love this problem. And I, um, I'm grateful to have TikTok. I'm grateful to have, uh, uh, Instagram, because it has all these like fun little videos and stuff on it. I always see the animal stuff. I'm sure other people have cooler things to look at. Um, and what the ugly side is, is the amount of people that their anxiety is coming out. And the ugly side of that is like, even on Twitter, normally rational people are just 
losing it. I mean, I'm the first one to tell you everything wrong I think of Jason Kenney and Stephen Harper, but the the venom is so gross right now and it's uh it's been hard to watch and I know where it's coming from. It's that uh, underlining anxiety, that pandemic anxiety that surface that uh you know and I'm seeing people just shame other people for, you know, having the audacity to be six feet away from each other and outside, um, you know, which is, which is too bad. I mean, we can do this. We can, we can still go outside and go to Elbow River or Elbow Falls, but we have to be six feet apart from each other. And I don't know if people are really doing that, um, see a lot of people at the airport and I don't know it in one way we on one hand we have all these regulations and ideas but on another one we don't really properly enforce them at all so whether you're in a WestJet lineup or you know you're coming back and you're just hopping in some random uh cabbie's car like I don't understand the disconnect here when it comes to our policies that we're kind of encouraging people to do um I don't understand how it is that it's safe to be in uh, in with a cab driver right now. Like I, I just don't don't understand how we don't have better protocols there right now. But you know what? I didn't get elected either provincially or municipally, so you know, obviously the the people spoke. <laughs> and they spoke very loud. Um, yeah, I went through my numbers actually. The uh, Elections Alberta let out the numbers, and I'm not going to lie, it is humbling when you earn any votes at all, but um, it is also kind of sad when when the numbers are that low, and, uh, you know, people say, oh, you should run, but, yeah, I don't, I'm really careful now who I say that to, because that's just mean. It's mean to tell someone they should run, and then when they do such little support, oh my god. I'll never regret running. It was such a good wake-up call for me um, that, you know, I can have a political opinion and some people might follow it, but that doesn't mean um, people will vote for it. That's for sure. And, um, and that, I mean, that's humbling too. It's its own humbling conversation. And I, I talk, I know about racism. I know about sexism. I know about that bias. And yet, uh, it's hard when you see the numbers and you see the stat right in front of you, right? So anyway, 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 if I was in charge, <laughs> not that anybody cares, but if I were in charge, there were there are some things that really bother me. And one of them is that um, we don't have more designated um, protections when it comes to, you know, how to be handling the whole drive home and such from an airport because everybody who comes home from an airport should be in quarantine um, until they've gone through their 14 days. It's really that simple. And that so clearly is not happening. And um, that's been really hard for me to watch. And yeah, so a lot of this is hard to watch. Not going to lie. It's hard watching my friends lose their business. It's hard watching um, so many people lose their jobs even for me, like it, my whole daytimer just went cancel, 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 cancel. <laughs> so, and I, I do have a gig coming up, but I'm thinking about canceling it because, um, man, the, the bullying from people right now. And, uh, even if we were to follow the six feet guidelines, 
there are so many people that just would judge you so harshly for going out at all. And even though it's like essential services people, um, I don't know. And in my opinion, everyone should have indigenous knowledge about the land they're on. I just know um, I've been being attacked for for making jokes. I've been attacked for, uh, you know, not for being too urban. <laughs> been obviously attacked by being too native by so many folks too. So it's just depressing. I wish we could come together in, in better ways, but I know where it's rooted from. It's rooted from everybody's um, anxiety. Um, and if, if you're native, obviously your intergenerational trauma, but even if you're not native, that doesn't mean you don't have intergenerational trauma. Um, my new lawyer is, um, you know, the grandson of a, of a Jewish fellow or Jewish family that fled Poland. So like everybody has it, just some people it's different than others. Right. So anyway, I'm pretty much just rambling today. I just, uh, wasn't really too sure, um, how much I could really share about what it was like growing up with Dina Henshaw other than I didn't know her that well um kind of my friend of my friend knows her knew her really well but um yeah she just was always everyone knew her as someone really clever and uh nobody had any anything really mean to say about her because she wasn't a you know mean person not like me I was mean. <laughs> I was a bully, but I, I'm hope like I went through a lot of counseling, so I'm hoping a bit, bit, bit a little bit better on that for now. Um, anyway, what else should I say? I don't know. I just I really want to encourage people to be listening to either Dr. Tam nationally, um, our Indigenous doctors, and uh, if you're in Alberta, Dina Henshaw. I think um, you know we, we have to understand this is a uh, stay in your lane kind of conversation and I'm not a medical doctor and I love you folks I love all the little private messages uh, from you know this one guy in China that's going to be arrested for you know letting out this information or you know the the Cubans who know everything there is to know about uh, the coronavirus <laughs> I, they are brilliant don't get me wrong they have a great um, healthcare system there but I don't think you sending me a private message about that's going to change the world. I'm not going to change policy. I, I called out, um, you know, even I, I'm not in a mean way, like I, in nice ways, I'll say to like Christy Duncan, dude, can we not, um, you know, spend a whole bunch of money and time um, at Mauna Kea, you know, because she's kind of in charge of science and there was so much money from the Canadian university institutions and, and our science program going to basically the displacement of more indigenous people uh, with the Mauna Kea uh, protests. And she unfollowed me, or at least her staff unfollowed me. So, you know, even when I do my advocacy, that doesn't mean that uh, it's helping or getting anywhere. It's just one voice in the, that bigger picture. And when I, when I do it, I always hope that other people will follow and um, I think right now, especially any of our advocacy is just getting lost in that noise of um, other things. And one of the one of the things that's I, I don't know how to really talk about it, but I'll talk about it um, right now. Jason Kenney is doing monstrous, monstrous cuts to our uh, healthcare system. And people voted for this. This is actually literally what they wanted. And of course, they wanted it right at the start of a pandemic. Yay! 
So now we have like dial a doctor thanks to Telus and people voted for this. So, you know, they, they, they were really clear with their numbers to me that, you know, I can try to save Prince of Peace. I can try to, you know, talk about issues that I think matter a lot about inclusion, but your numbers were clear. You absolutely want, uh, you know, to cut the shit out of healthcare. So right now, our um, lab staff, our medical doctors, our nurses, they are going without contracts as of April 1st. Some are going into more debt because of the pandemic issues. And this is what Albertans voted for. This is what they wanted, right? Hey, Mel, one voice leads to more. That's really kind. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for watching. Um, I was saying that I wanted to do the podcast live more because I think interaction is really important. Hopefully I'll move to uh, whatever Twitch or Stitcher. I can't remember those mediums, but something to so that we can interact and talk more so that if you want to be on the show for five minutes, you can. Um, my friend Tammy, I don't know if she's still watching, but she was watching and she was from Sylvan Lake. One of my very few friends who still stuck with me down the red road and I've been talking about Dr. Dina Henshaw and just trying to encourage Indigenous people, non-Indigenous people to just listen to the stupid doctors. I don't understand why people think they are more knowledgeable on these issues. Like if you don't have a, a medical degree or maybe a um, mathematical um, stats degree under your belt, like you you got to be pretty specific if, if I'm going to be listening to you right now. Um, not that you have to go to university for me to listen to you. It's just that... Um, you know, for this pandemic, I'm not going to assume Danielle Smith talking about one thing she heard somewhere is actually more right than what Dr. Dina Hinshaw says. Um, that's who I'm going to listen to. And that's who I'm going to encourage everybody else to listen to, because we don't want to have more folks um, understate what's the severity of what's happening. Um, you know, oh, I watched the movie... Uh, contagious contagion contagion and uh don't watch that actually they actually said they the medical community said for everybody dealing with their mental health and their anxiety issues actually don't watch like zombie movies and post-apocalyptic movies and such and uh but like you know um do as i say not as i do i did watch that movie because um I was talking with someone I, I really respect and he said, no, you, I watched it twice in the last week. So I watched it and it's just, it, I can't get it out of my head because it's exactly what's happening right now. Like exactly. And um, I'm hoping we won't have to institute martial law. Um, but I did watch a funny video coming out of Italy and it was a bunch of mayors. So like, you know, literally Italian mayors that like are straight out of, I don't know, some some movie that we're used to having very, very negative stereotypes of them swearing and cussing and saying, I'm the mayor. I'm in town. Get in your houses. Get away from each other. Like, you know, I'm going to bring the police. I'm going to bring the cops with uh, flamethrowers. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Just cracking me up. But it's not funny because in Italy, they literally are doing the mass grave thing right now, right? So, hey, Tammy, I'm glad you're still here. So Tammy and Mel, you're my two viewers. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being here with me. I wish we could figure out how to make this a two-way conversation better. So anyway, anyway. So um, yeah, the, that was kind of the things I wanted to talk about on the podcast was, you know, really do pay attention to what 
they're saying that's the most important thing um this washing the hands thing seen a really cute video out there and it was like um surgical gloves with black ink and they were washing their hands and they were showing like how in your lines that you miss so you have to really scrub in there and then you have to do your tops but then you have to do your thumbs because you'll miss it and then you have to kind of do your wrists so you you get that too and then by the end the surgical gloves are totally black and um but it was a really good illustration of how we probably don't do proper hand cleaning anyway. Um, some people are saying like sing happy birthday um, at once or twice while you while you wash your hands as that um, medium. But I think it's that like I needed to see that technique in order to really make sure I know how to be washing my hands. Seeing lots of, um, you know, WHO saying don't use Advil um, I don't know. I heard Dr. Dina Hinshaw kind of contradict that. So I'm just going to follow her recommendations for now um, because she knows and she's not going to steer us wrong. One of my favorite moments with her was when somebody said, you know, are your kids being pulled from school? And she's like, mm, same rule applies to my kids as your kids. And I, I really loved that. And I, I think that, um, you know, whatever decision she makes, it's going to be based off of data the the data that's coming in that she has and decisions being made from there. I know that they had closed the daycares, but they had to reopen some because uh, the nurses and doctors and, and essential staff needed them. So my brother, he's considered essential staff in Sylvan Lake right now, and uh, my husband's out. So I got to be careful, right? And make sure that I don't uh, spread the spread. I, I think the best... Um, thing I seen out there was just assume you're infected and just assume if you're infected that what you're trying to do is not infect others so that kind of changed the way I interacted with people um and I you know I've been thinking about making a shirt that says like you know stay six feet away from me or whatever not because I'm really afraid of anybody else but I just I don't want to be that healthy carrier I'd like to think I'm that healthy carrier <laughs> Truth is, when I get it, I'll just be the one sitting in the in the bed and there'll be like three weeks before the next podcast. <laughs> anyway, so that's just me. So I wanted to also challenge people to tell me what they're reading. Um, my last podcast was actually my book club because... You have First Calgary Library cancelled on me, the International Avenue BRZ, they had to cancel on me, and I understand why, like, I'm not mad at either one of them in any way, shape, or form, but I didn't want my book club to be cancelled, because um, it was the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action on the church apology, so I thought that was really important, and I think we had, like, 300 downloads or something already, and that was just on Monday, so, you know, I'm trying to have those conversations and, and keep that com conversation going. And um, I'm just seeing Justin Trudeau tweeting out uh, Canada Health saying that there's no vaccine. Because um, I think, again, to misinformation, like people are sharing, oh, yeah, there's a vaccine. They're just not giving it to anybody. And I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I'm the first person to you know, talk about conspiracy theories. And, and I think there, you know, are a lot of conspiracy theories to talk about, but not right now. Right now, we've got to worry about, you know, keeping grandma and <laughs> in my case, granny, and my daughter and my husband and myself safe and you, any anyone listening uh, and your family. And we just got to spread out the 
ventilators over the course of time because there are only so many of them. And uh, yeah, there's some really cute videos going out like, oh, this doctor was able to make, you know, four ventilators out of this one device, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so none of that's going to be Canadian approved in right now. Um, you know, like, I don't know why people don't use their heads about these things. Like, you know, the processes and policies that we have in place that are already messing up the world. If we just let that stuff go, it's not going to help anybody. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I understand why people are sharing these things, but I, I'm not going to be going down the conspiracy hole right now. In 10 years, you and I will be having great conversations about what the uh, U.S. military was doing or not doing, but not today. Today is uh, let's just stay safe. And a lot of people are not understanding the message that you should really be staying inside if you can. Um, assuming you're a carrier and assuming everybody else has an autoimmune disorder and assume there's not enough ventilators, that's where we need to be right now. That's where our mentality needs to be. Like, okay, we're all in this game together. Um, our defenses are good. Our offense is looking good, but we know the reality and we have to pace ourselves. Like, like, I don't understand why there's a disconnect there. So um, I'm hoping people will see that bigger picture and go from there. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of... What I was going to talk about today, and I'll probably wrap this up with my normal conversation on cultural competency and first aid. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians in their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized people in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, know that your vote to this party directly relates, to, uh, negatively impacts marginalized people. One second. Mel, keep your older s seniors in the home. There's no reason to leave and go into public places. Thank you, Mel. Uh... Do do and demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, the domestic violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls in Two Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme violence. Uh, extreme racism in educational health institutions, justice institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing, demand change from election platforms and politicians. If do, they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties and local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. Great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth. How non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. Violence is just my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming. <laughs> I'm laughing because of what happened earlier this week with someone who's obviously, I don't know, pearl clutching. But again, rooted in trauma and, and anxiety from the pandemic. Um, you know, I started this podcast so that there would not be like gaslighting questions. People don't want to hear indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us they're uneducated 
opinion, people who know nothing about colonialism, constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, typical microaggressions. Then there's the Indigenous people dealing with internalized racism, those who are gatekeepers and survive off the status quo, or other people who are so in their trauma, they stop people from doing the good work and deplete the personal resources. Um, internal, external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people, and that's why I needed this podcast as a boundary to be heard. I hope one day my family, my daughter, will be proud in the future of us talking about these present-day issues in a way that they can understand. I want to put cultural safety into action so that you can create a safer place. And I'm just going to call out Chinese people right now. Like, right now, the Chinese community needs your support. Um, Right now, today, there are pictures of people blaming um, Chinese people for everything. That's not okay. So when I talk about cultural safety, I'm literally talking about if you see people saying derogatory things towards the Chinese community, you have got to call this out. You can't not do something. Having good intentions is not enough. Take action to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions with those with more understanding. Find allies. Create a a support network and system so that you can advocate for culturally safe approaches. This is why I'm part of iCare. Um, Because we talk about racism and, um, you know, spiritual abuse to a certain degree, but issues that that really matter where we can have this united approach, whether you're Catholic, Muslim, LGBTQ2+, Indigenous, you know, we, we need to be united when it comes to standing up against racism. Take responsibility for your own learning. Reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from marginalized people unless you're willing to pay us. (laughs) Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. Even for me it is. I mean, I share something about sweat lodges and like the attacks were nuts, but you know, it it's it's that trauma being resurfaced, it's um, you know, the anxiety, that defensiveness of our culture. Like I get where that's coming from, but I'm not comfortable with it. You can't be uncom you can't be comfortable with it. So understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. Trust me. Emotional labor sucks. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence against indigenous people or marginalized folks because of the structure of racism imposed on these lands. People would not be attacking me if it wasn't for this. So anyway, the Indian Act, Indian residential schools, land clearing policies created all of this lateral violence. Um, There's lots of conversations out there. RacialEquityTools.org has what is internalized racism. Um, There's do's and don'ts, bystander information. But what to do if you see somebody attacking someone Chinese or saying something stupid like that, please, please, please step in. Your silence is dangerous. It uh, communicates approval, leaves a victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, Move closer to the person being harassed and communicate support with your body or give them a card say to validate that you're what witnessing what they're seeing. Maybe start recording if everyone feels comfortable with that. Um, teach your kids not to be racist jerks or, I don't know, 
making fun of people with disabilities and such. We actually had a problem here. Got to, that reminded me. I got to talk to uh, my hubby about it. Anyway, if you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, the call the First Nation Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at one eight five five two four two three three one zero. And if you go on hopeforwellness.ca, you will see that you can text if you're more comfortable with that. Um, the phone number is toll free, open twenty four hours a day. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. Um, it's interesting because we're going through this coronavirus thing. So I've been actually talking to my family almost daily just to see, just to do that check-in and see where they are. Um, one of my brothers is really good at texting. The other one, I don't, I don't know. So what, whatever. I want to thank my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through your Austrian roots and for teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. And it's through her, I'm a proud second generation Calgarian. I want to say thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, childhood friend, father of our child and support down my journey of the red road. And obviously doesn't like me reading his grad write up, witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My patron account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or had many and you had to quit for financial reason, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end by giving side-eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thanks for listening.